everyone. Welcome to another episode of Looking for Love in All the Wrong Dust Jackets, a show where three cool friends from college talk to you about romance, whether that's from books, movies, TV shows, maybe even video games. Who knows? Uh, my name is Liz. I'm Danny. And I'm Wiggles. And welcome to the show. All right. Today, we're going to talk about this newer book called Once More with Feeling by Alyssa Sussman. But before we get into that, uh, as usual, we got to talk to you about a little bit of a disclaimer, a little bit of a warning here. We are uh, not filtered, meaning we're going to swear, we're going to say whatever crass thing comes to our mind. So just be prepared. And if you're not here for that, you've been warned. It's true. (laughs) Sorry, but we're not really sorry about it. (laughs) Okay, before we get into book, though, let's talk about, you know, what you guys been like reading, watching, doing, etc. Um, I haven't been doing, I haven't been home a lot. I'm sorry. Um, Wiggles, go. You can cut me out and I'll figure something out. I'm not the one. Uh, I have been dealing with COVID, so I've mostly been reading my eyelids. It's a boring narrative, by the way. Your eyelids are a burning narrative? Yeah. Boring narrative. Boring narrative. Sorry. I was like, what, do your eyes burn? What is happening, Wigs? No, boring, sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, it's, I spent three years avoiding it, and then I got a new job and immediately got sick. So, yay. (laughs) It's real shitty. It is real shitty. Yeah. I I, um, haven't been reading as much. I kind of blew my load the last time we talked. Blown your load. Uh, I'm sure you did blow your load. You guys know I chose that phrase on purpose. Of course, we know you well. But I have been getting caught up on one of my shows, been watching Grand Crew on Peacock. So um, it has Nicole Byer in it, and I just fucking love her. So wherever she's at, I'm like, what you doing? Let me watch it. Fair enough. I mean, I watched Star Wars the other day. Uh, She's a comedian. Uh, I don't know what you'd know her from. Did you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes. She was Judge... Or not judge, but she was uh, Trudy's sister. I'll Google she it. She's in a Continue. couple episodes. Yeah. I, th- I think I've done just, I've been watching some of my fallback shit that I just stick on when I need to just not, which is always like some sort of procedural <laughs> or some true crime, depending on the day. Fair enough. So, sorry, folks, we don't got anything to suggest to you, except for, you know, a thing or two. Mm. That's all right. You know, shit happens. Life happens. Let's get on to the book. Fuck yeah, let's talk about the book. Oh! We talk about the Arthur first. Yeah! I have things to say. Not well, Go for it. Take it away. <laughs> okay. So, according to Alyssa Sussman's website, she's a writer, a reader, and a pumpkin pie eater. Okay. <laughs> That's what it says. Okay, I'm just, I'm just quoting at this point. Okay, I should so. not be shocked. <laughs> Um, so she has, uh, three other books out right now. Funny You Should Ask, um, a precursor to One's More With Feeling. I don't know if they're related or not. I don't think so. Um, and then two YA novels, Drawn That Way, oh, three YA novels, um, Drawn That Way, Stray, and Burn. So if you want to check out more. That's where you do it. Um, In a previous career, she used to work for animation studios, keeping everything organized. And so you can find her name on movies like The Croods, Hotel Transylvania, 
The Princess and the Frog and Tangled. Nice. Yeah. So she had a whole other life before this whole book writing thing, which is awesome. Um, And then she went to Lawrence College for her BA and went to Pacific University for her MFA, if that matters to you. Oh, and um, in case we say this wrong, again... (laughs) <laughs> the frequently asked question is, how do you pronounce your name? Like Melissa with the M, or without the M, um, or Alyssa, or Alyssa Milano, Sussman, like to suss someone out, a man. <laughs> I think that's mostly what I said. Yeah. I said Alyssa Sussman. Yeah, uh, but I think okay. clearly we're not the only person people who went, are we going to get this right? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's what I got on the author. I'm sure there's more stuff out there, but like her website actually shares a lot of information about her. So awesome. that's cool. Go check out that website. Mm-hmm. Um, that website is alyssasussman.com. Perfect. There you go. All right. Should we talk about what the uh, the whole plot of... Yeah, Danny, tell me a story. story. I will tell you a story. So basically, it starts out with... Katie Rose. She's a pop star. She's got that nasally, stupid singing voice. And she's dating Ryan. Ryan Leneve, who is one of a boy band. And they're all, you know, happy together, quotation marks and everything. And then she cheats on him with Cal, another guy in the boy band. And he kind of destroys her entire career. And then all these years later, her best friend gets a hold of Cal and she has now written a musical that she wrote specifically so that um, Catherine would be the the leading role in it and he's producing it and direct, directing it. Producing he's directing it. Directing it. it. I apologize. Directing it. And so they're thrown in together and everything, even though she really hates him and he's not all that fond of her either. And she's amazing at it. Enemies to lovers. You know how I love enemies to lovers. Let's talk about it. <laughs> they do have some stuff. They went to, to theater camp growing up. They're very much theater nerds, so I really enjoy that. So, Yeah, that's probably a good place to put like a little bit of a fair warning. If um, you haven't heard us say this before, we're all theater kids. We all went to college for theater. So you might hear a couple of tangents uh, from this book about theater. Uh, y- yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. definitely gonna happen mm-hmm. i don't know how to not talk about it with this book <laughs> uh, yeah. okay let's just dive right in then all right what are we talking about first so the first thing that i want to talk about just because it's it's the premise of the book right we're going to get distracted by characters and plot and all that but this book actually happens in three different timelines yeah correct the the one timeline is when they're at camp and that one shows up, I think only four or five times throughout the entire book. So it's more just like a little break in the book to kind of go way back in time to when they're in high school. Yeah. Well, she's 13. When she's 13? I thought, or, she, or was she 16? I think 16? 16. 16. 16. We're going to say okay. 16. I she's suck not. at life. <laughs> and then the rest of the book is told, uh, in the then time, so when she's Katie Rose, uh, our main character, Kathleen Rosenberg, when she's Katie Rose, the pop star dating Ryan Leneve, mm-hmm. the super douchey boy band dude, uh, and they go through their relationship and then break up. 
And the main timeline is the now timeline, which is them putting together this Broadway show and the romance of Kathleen and Cal falling back in love. And none of those timelines are consistent. Like we don't, we aren't going day by day or week no. by week. No. Like there's jumping. And so you gotta, you gotta stay on your toes with this book. But I think that they do a pretty good job of tying little nuggets in to like give you an idea of where they are at in the timeline. So it didn't bother me too much. I yeah. actually really liked it. I did too. I could always tell like, cause she, that's the other thing. She never did like a, where she jumped back in time and it was, previous to one of those jumps back in time it was always further forward than it had been Mm -hmm. yeah so it wasn't doing like it did time jumps but not in a really chaotic way where you're like what the fuck is happening right everything was linear and also everything made sense so when you're in the now and things are happening um and it would jump back to the then it was related to either an emotion that kind of kicked it off in the now or a moment that kicked it off in the now. Mm-hmm. So it worked. It made sense. I really liked it. I, I think it was a different way to read a book because most of them are in, in romance are relatively just like linear one plot line. So I enjoyed it. I did too. I, I liked how they did it. They did it yeah. very successfully. Agree. Well, I think you have to have in a second chance romance like this, we have to know some of what caused them to not be together. And with this, it was so complicated because there was the public persona and then there's the personal personas and we needed all that. Without it, I don't think that we would care what ends up happening between um, Cal and, and what's her name? Shoot. Kathleen. Yes, Kathleen. (laughs) I, I think I also, I, I, that's a really good point because it would be easy to either hate Kathleen for turning down Cal um, back when they were pop stars Mm -hmm. or either hate Cal for not supporting her when the public kind of turned on her like, oh my God, you broke Ryan's heart. You're evil now. You're like Mm -hmm. the evil bitch who broke his heart. Or even you end up going with the narrative that she's a bitch because cheating's not okay and she shouldn't have done that. No, for sure. But um, but she should have broken up with Ryan a long time ago. But you also get – she also does a really good job in the book of explaining why she couldn't because yes. they were on tour together. Mm-hmm. And they were like all over the you know the cover of People magazine and like all of the gossip columns are talking mm-hmm. to them about it. So she can't just like break up the way like a normal relationship would. She has to think about her image and like the public eye and how it would affect the tour that they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Like she was totally planning on, on breaking up with him after the last show of the tour. Yeah. And then he proposed on stage to her. Right. And don't, and don't feel sorry for this son of a bitch because yeah. he oh, is he's a, a duck. Prick. He knew what he was doing. I, like it wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, oh, I'm yeah. in love with Kathleen. It was, I'm going to lock her down. That's right. what it yeah, was. Yeah, it was totally all about his image and their image and wanting to use her for her fame mm-hmm. because she, so she's vastly more talented than he is, but she doesn't like how she is forced to be portrayed as Katie Rose because, yeah. like, yeah, she can do the nasally pop princess singing bullshit, but she hates it. Well, I and get a lot of- that's just not really how she sings. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I when I 
hear the description of Katie Rose versus Kathleen Rosenberg, I think a lot of Kesha. Mm-hmm. Because when Kesha first came out, she had to be like, oh my god, this big pop star and like everything is glitz and glam and like fun and party life. But that was definitely, I mean, I, I don't want to say definitely because I don't know Kesha personally, but it, from what I see now, it definitely seems like that was a big persona that she used to sell you know, mm-hmm. herself and her music. Mm-hmm. Whereas now she doesn't sound like that quite as much. Her music is a little more authentic. So well, that's what I get. The story also reminded me a lot of Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. I oh, think that yeah, was absolutely. that must have been a massive influence on right? the story. I mean, the, the show and tell is the equivalent of like the Mickey Mouse Club, right? And um, Justin totally played the victim in their breakup. The Cry Me a River music video with Britney, like, a Britney lookalike. And now we're like, Justin, eat shit. That was rude. You knew she was being manipulated and you did that shit. And so then to have that kind of be the timeline with Kathleen and Ryan, it's like, oof. Well, and there's so much awkwardness. Like, so, for instance, when they're talking about the then and the, the group is on the parade float... Oh, yeah. And they're, like, putting her on this big pedestal above everybody fucking else, and she really is uncomfortable with it, and then they decide that they're going to put one of the boys up there. The logical choice would have been Ryan, because they are dating. Mm -hmm. Is that who ended up there with her? No. It ended up being Cal. It's like, what, what, were you asking to get cheated on at that point? Well, Ryan, I, you know, definitely knew, because he started to say things like, I don't like how much time you're spending with Cal, Mm -hmm. but also to to Katie or Kathleen's defense, like Ryan didn't want to do any of the things she wanted to do. Yeah. Like for her birthday, she wanted a movie night. That's all she wanted is to stay in her hotel, ignore the world, watch Grease 2 and eat candy and popcorn. And her boyfriend was like, "Mm, I don't think so. And didn't hang out with her on her birthday. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like that sounds like a magical night to me, quite frankly. if If Liz was like, yo, Danny, I want to watch movies, eat, shitty candy and and chill all weekend you want to do that and be like fuck yeah i'll bring the popcorn you know right that'd be awesome well i'm also gonna briefly tangent here and that kathleen and and harriet are wrong greece is better than greece too but cal is also wrong sister act two is better it just is gotta say it I will agree with you that Grease is better than Grease 2, and I only say that because I have not seen Grease 2 in so long that it just, like, the only one I currently remember is Grease. But to say that, I don't know. I mean, Sister Act 2 is good, but Sister Act 1 does have, like, the original story. I don't know. We're tangenting. We got to get back. Do we, though? (laughs) Because I also have have to say, (laughs) I also like stale candy. (laughs) I know you do. I do. Yeah. Leave that package open. Let them get let them De- get a little a little tougher. Depending on the candy, like some yeah. candy is better stale, especially gummies. I'm like, yeah, get get a little like weird like film on the outside. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> I like stale cheese puffs. Oh, my yeah. grandma likes stale yeah. peeps. Stale, I love stale peeps is the way to go. If you're gonna have peeps, you need to open that package, leave it out for a solid three days, and come back. Yeah, agreed. I don't generally eat the peeps because... Eh. If they're there, I'll eat them. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, still cheese puffs are my jam. Fair enough. I, I'm here for it. I'm here for all junk food. I am an equal opportunity junk food enthusiast. Mm-hmm. It's true. Also, uh, next day popcorn is better 
Mm. Oh, hells yeah. Incorrect. I mean, okay, let me say this. Fresh, let's say we're talking about movie theater popcorn from an actual movie theater. Yes. Fresh, like within the first 10 to 15 minutes is the best. Oh, for sure. After that, then you put it aside. I mean, I will still eat it, obviously, until it's gone. But but if for some reason you have the willpower to put it aside, it is best the next day. I mean, I've definitely left bags of popcorn sitting on my desk and then eat them the next day. Oh, for sure. And it, it's amazing. I really need to get more popcorn. I don't eat bagged popcorn. Anyway. Oh, I do. I don't like movie theater popcorn that much. Oh. Do you, is it because you don't like the like butter they put on it? Yeah. Yeah. There was a movie theater that we went to in... Minneapolis, we lived up there, that used actual real butter on their movie theater popcorn, and that Mm -hmm. shit was good. Well, I should say, I like the cheap theater's popcorn, and I like the drive-in's popcorn. It's that artificial butter shit. I do not like the the century's popcorn. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. No, I feel you. So, getting back to the story. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I think there is, by the time you get to the point where you know for a fact that Katie cheated on Ryan with Cal and then you actually like read the scene. Um, Did I agree with the choice of cheating? Absolutely not. But also I was, I didn't feel bad for Ryan. I was like, look, you're a douche. Yeah. Same. The only reason she hasn't broken up with you yet is because she is kind of trapped with you until this tour is over. Yeah. Well, I, that's another thing. I really liked how she built that up because for so much of the book, you don't know what actually happened. No. Like they tell you in the beginning that like he destroyed her career because, um, you know, they supposedly she cheated on, but they always kind of made it seem like it, there was something different to it yeah. or anything. So I was always like, well, did she actually cheat on him or did was it like... Like an almost or just like that's what he told the media? Yeah. yeah. And then the more she... When she was really pissed about at Cal too, I was like, well, did he... Did he end up saying something that made them think that something happened and then never disputed or anything? Right. Like I was trying to figure out what happened. And it's like you get to that part and you're like, oh, oh, no, she actually did. But I don't feel bad for Ryan at that point because I've watched everything that he's done and I'm like, okay, you're a douche and I don't give a shit. Again, cheating is wrong. Don't be cheating. But, eh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, too, it she tried to break up with him several times. You know, it wasn't like it, yes. this was coming out of nowhere. She tried to break up with him and he wouldn't let her because he understood that their public persona was linked. Um Yeah. And so for him, it wasn't like, I'm trying to be in this relationship because I love you and I'm heartbroken because you cheated on me. It's I'm frustrated because now I have to come up with a new narrative. And the new narrative he comes up with is, fuck Kathleen. She's the worst. Excuse me, fuck Katie. She's the worst. She broke my heart. And I'm the victim here. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the same time, like, not only did it ruin her career, but then it also derailed her best friend's career because... She was about to start recording a album of songs that her best friend wrote specifically for her. And so, like, she has the horror of that where not only did she mess up hers, but she also messed up her best friend's. Well, the thing is, her career shouldn't have been messed up by this. Like, maybe would there be a ton of, like, tabloids and whatever? Yeah. Even with the cheating. But, like, look at how many people cheat and are like still 
massively popular. Guess what? Most of your favorite actors and actresses, most of your favorite musicians have cheated at some point. Because they have access to more people going around being like, I love you! Right? Like, it's just... Well, and I think the author did a good job, though, of talking about Kathleen's kind of downward spiral after all of that happened Mm -hmm. and talking about everybody dropped her. It wasn't just like the tabloids were all fucking on her. Her manager dropped her and then became Ryan's manager. Like She was always kissing his ass anyway. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, if she had the right support system, she could have pull you know pull back and like it still continued but it kind of sounded like she didn't even want to be katie rose anymore anyway yeah so maybe this was an out for her to just be like fuck it i'm done yeah god her manager sucked too because like she pushed her to do stuff that was just stupid she pushed her to do a christmas album she wanted her to sing on a christmas album she's jewish she's jewish yeah and then was pissed when she was like okay fine i'll be on this this holiday album but i want to sing um, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Right. Because it's non-denominational. Right. And they wanted her to sing Oh Holy Night. Yeah, that one's particularly confusing. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Right, and then they said, oh, it's non-denominational. And she's like, it's the most. Right. It's the birth of Jesus. That's like, I think the only one that would be more controversial on that front would be like, what child is this? Right, yeah. Or Mary, did you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Like, oh my god. I was just like, Going to the world? (laughs) Like, what? Right. Right, and I don't know. And the thing is, is she could have easily done a holiday album that was entirely non-denominational. Just like, like, let it snow. All right, sure. Baby, it's cold outside. Sure. There's plenty of songs. Yeah. Right. That have nothing to do with the actual, like, Christmas. It's just the time period and everything. But yeah, it was just like... You picked the worst. The worst song. The worst songs for her. Like, I think it would be very fun to watch her do uh, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Of course. Although, or, oh, Heat Miser. I did really enjoy the, the fact that she did bring up in her book that actually most of the Christmas songs that we know and love are written by Jewish people. So it's like... It's true. <laughs> this, like, wonderful <laughs> irony. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was clever that she brought that up so we've been talking a lot about the then timeline the katie rose timeline yes the now timeline and this is where the theater kids come about so just to be warned (laughs) yep yep sure does (laughs) so the whole premise of this part is that harriet her best friend since camp right they met at camp and they were best friends throughout her entire pop star career is a songwriter and has written a musical that she's trying to get to broadway and Kathleen it wants to be in it. In fact, not only wants to be in it, Harriet, best friend, wrote her a part. The lead. Wrote her the lead the of lead the show. Part, yeah. I have to say, one thing that bothered me throughout this entire book is uh, I am I, frustrated on behalf of Harriet because she wasn't really done justice in this book in general. Um, she was very much treated in the book the way Katie treated her on tour, um, which is this afterthought thing, right? It's like, oh, my best friend wrote this play, right? And she just keeps getting pushed to the background. But it's particularly frustrating for me as somebody who's worked in this industry for as long as I have, that we have a, a Black playwright focusing on telling a white story, 
Like, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I get that she was writing it for her best friend who who's white and Jewish and wanted to tell that story. And that's great. But like, there are so few opportunities um, for for black playwrights to get on to a Broadway stage that that opportunity would be spent telling the story um, that's not even her own. It feels like there's some cognitive dissonance there. Well, uh, to be fair, the story that she wrote called Riveted about Rosie the Riveter, um, which, you know, there were many Rosie the Riveters, we don't know anything about. All we know is that Kathleen's character, Peggy, is one of the Rosie the Riveters in the play. There are yep. supposed to be a couple of them. And her story is supposed to be telling about she is, correct me if I'm wrong, helping to get money during the war to bring her Jewish family over and Jewish families in general over. Yes. To America. Yes, I believe so. And I, it, they mentioned too that like through most of the show, all of them are kind of in the same costume with the Rosie the Riveter until like the last scene um, where she branches out and she's in a different costume. Right. So to your point, Wiggles, we don't know that there isn't a, um, a variety of, of people in that because there are more than one. They talk about Peggy being the lead, but they also talk about there being multiple uh, Rosie the Riveters with different stories. So I don't know if she's the lead or just one of the leads. I agree um, that we don't know that, but shouldn't we? Like if there is a woman of color who is one of these Rosie the Riveters, shouldn't we know that? Like it just, if you're going to make a person of color an element of your story, you can't just only use that for specific moments. Um, it would be important to Harriet to tell that, to make sure that that story is also included. And so it should be included in the story that we're being told. I just think that it matters. <laughs> and I didn't like that. That just seemed to be pushed to the background because it wasn't about Katie or it wasn't about Kathleen. Right. Um, and well, pretty much all the secondary characters are pushed to the background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this gal named Whitney that we see in, I think, two, grand total of two scenes. Uh, I, I like the fact that she shows up to show that Cal has friends, but also... But then like, she, her sister the gets hurt and she's like, bye. Right. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Why are you here? And Jennifer, her fate's grisly. She, like, fucks up her arm and her leg on this... Yeah, she breaks her elbow and her leg oh, on God. this set. Yeah. That would just be heartbreaking. Like, you're an understudy for the lead on a Broadway show, which means you are going to get time mm -hmm. playing that role as the lead on the Broadway show, and then you hurt yourself traumatically before ever getting to open. Mm -hmm. And they they were already on, like, they were set up for Broadway. Was it, or the... They were in previews. They were in previews. They were in previews yeah. in Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Rachel, Bitch McGee, Ugh. who... Her whole character is supposed to be the classic mean girl. And they knew her from camp and she got kicked out because she was drinking vodka. And then Kathleen got her role in the like end of the camp uh, show showcase case. Um, and then she shows up again and she just kind of fucks with Kathleen. Yeah. Like, claiming that she's fucking Cal. And she's fucking one of the old producer. Yeah. Gentlemen. Who she calls Stadler and Warlorf through the entire um entire book and i laughed 
hysterically at that. Give me the perfect fucking like image. I was like, oh, I know these guys now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And then she says it at one point to Cal and he's like, who? What? And she's like, our producers. And he's like, did you just call them Muppets? I'm like, yeah. he, He says that he can't unsee it now. It's all he can ever think of when he looks at them. I'm like, yep, because there it's a very specific type of man and you know exactly who they are. Oh yeah, for sure. So and even I guess the producers are technically, you know, these secondary characters that I don't think ever speak. Maybe there's one written line. So the story's very focused mm-hmm. on just Kathleen and Cal. And not even Which, really Cal. He's almost it's relegated very, as well. It's yeah, really it is very Kathleen. Kathleen centered. I mean, honestly, yeah the the story of Kathleen kind of like getting her comeback is almost more important than the romance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think it was like uh, I would have to look at what page it was on, but it was like 70, 80 pages in before it was. You were ever like, so are Cal and Kathleen going to be the couple? Like, is that where this is going? Yeah. Um, because the the beginning of it was a big old pity party for Kathleen. Yeah. Not well, that she Aaron, doesn't was... deserve it, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she does. But, and then also, like, because you don't really realize at first that it is, it is Cal and her that are going to be the, like, main couple, whatever. Um, and they're talking about um, Kathleen and Ryan. And I'm like, I can't support this. He can go fuck himself. Like, don't like it. Hates it. And then she, you know, they start talking up Cal because they have all these interests together and, and you know, they mm-hmm. like to go to museums and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. My initial worry when we were first reading this was this Kathleen character um, feels a little bit too much like Rachel Berry from Glee. It's <sighs> just like, am I going to hate her this entire book or is she going to buck up? Um, like, where are we going with this? I was not impressed. I end up feeling more sympathy for her as we go along. But I do think it's interesting. And this is one of the things I do like about the book is that almost the beginning of the narrative of what we get to see about her is kind of like that paparazzi narrative throughout, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's that we slowly get to uncover the real Kathleen and find out, like, who she actually is as a person. But I think to a certain extent, she is, um, whether or not she intended to or not, internalized all of that hate that was thrown at her and started to believe that that Mm -hmm. is the person who she is. And so when we're introduced to her as a character at the beginning of the book, that's the person we get to see. Well, and it's also, you kind of watch her journey from being a self-centered teenager who wants to be the star of everything to kind of growing up and having to after the whole katie rose debacle having to discover who she actually is because she's not in touch with that after so long anyway she doesn't really know who she is to a degree you know what i mean well there's definitely like a we talk i said the word comeback because it was relating to, you know, her comeback to media and spotlight and entertainment. But also mm-hmm. there, there's a massive comeback of just like her becoming almost herself or whoever she wants to be again. Mm-hmm. Because she's spending all of her time after Katie Rose just kind of like being alone and sequestering every once in a while. Teaching like kids how to do dance. 
yeah. you know, having little dance classes in her house. But, you know, she's really just kind of shut everything out. And this show is not only her coming back to acting and singing and dancing, it's her coming back to, you know, trying to find a life for herself. Exactly. Yeah, she spends all her time in her house with her cat. Yeah. Well, we're shown time fish. and time again that her M.O. is running away. Like, we're shown yeah. the beginning oh, yeah. all the way up until, like, at the end when she suddenly is like, I'm going to tell him I love him, right? Like, she just runs away whenever things get too hard. Um, and she got lucky a few times in her career, and that luck builds. Um, but, you know, there's no reason to suspect that if if this Rachel had not um, been kicked out, that she wouldn't have ran away from this as well. You know, she would not be the person who she is today. She just got lucky. Which, by the way, can we talk about how juvenile it is that Rachel's, like, trying to fuck with her because she's still mad <laughs> that she got kicked out of the fucking camp? Some people don't When they were, up. like, Some 16. people don't change. Because she blamed, she blamed Kathleen for it because she thought Kathleen turned them in for drinking. And she didn't. Cal did. <laughs> Right. Even though everybody already knew, Cal was just the one who finally was like, look, I'm going to tell my parents mm-hmm. if you don't do something about this. Well, good. And they were chucking bottles at people and shit. Yeah. Like, well, it was well-deserved. Like, I'm all oh, for, for, sure. for, I mean, I, I don't, I don't support underage drinking, but it happens. But as long as you're not being a complete and utter dick and you're being safe, I usually don't have an issue. But like, she was literally going to pour alcohol over top of Harriet's head. Yeah. Well, we also find out from Cal, partially from this event, and partially because of what we see from him, that his M.O. is just pretending there's not a problem. He's like, I'm just going to play cool and live off of my male privilege, and no one will pay attention to me. So, well, on the note of Cal, what do you think about their romance? It's a classic second chance romance, um, and it obviously you literally get to read both the first and second chance of it. So what do you think? I actually kind of like their romance because instead of the like, oh my God, my eyes dying love, they actually kind of get there in a logical way. You know what I mean? Like it's enemies to lovers, so they're fighting a lot. But like mm. it's over months of them kind of resisting and then fucking up and stuff. And I, I kind of, I always kind of enjoy that kind of situation, but... Yeah, in both instances, they there's a lot of time that goes between. It actually, it's a third chance romance because mm-hmm. when they were at camp, they kissed once uh, on the roof of a cabin. Yes, <laughs> it's adorable. I love that her reaction is just to run away, literally, just to go. No, okay, bye. <laughs> well, it's your first kiss, so it's kind of like, uh, I gotta go. Cool, bye. Um, uh, no, but I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead, because I didn't know where I was going. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I I honestly think this is an example of they wouldn't have had a healthy relationship if they didn't do the second chance. Like, the even if everything went their way, she easily broke up with Ryan, then they were able to be together, they wouldn't have had a healthy romance. They would have broken up. They wouldn't have been able to see it through. I think this... this Second or third, as you say, chance at romance is much more likely to end in a happy, healthy situation because they've both grown up enough to be able to do that. 
Well, and they probably won't be under the constant scrutiny that they would have been previously. Well, like Cal didn't want to do this forever. Katie did. Right. So if she would have stayed Katie Rose and Crush Zone broke up, which is the name of their boy band, would he have stayed doing that? No, because he literally didn't when they broke up. He went and did a um, some choreographing and I think teaching or something. So there's yeah, that. He has, he has a college degree and everything, whereas mm-hmm. everybody else in Crush Zone and Katie didn't go to college. Right. I do like, though, the author brings up a lot about how Kathleen, you know, went to therapy afterwards. And I think Cal even maybe mentioned it once. And Harriet and there's does a couple of, as well. Yes, yeah. and Harriet does as well. So there's a couple of references to your point, Wiggles, in the book about how, like, not only are their lives on maybe a more similar trajectory now since they're both doing this Broadway show, but they're also just people that have grown a lot. And even though they fuck up their emotions and stuff in their last chance here, which there's reasons for it. They don't want the media to be like, oh my God, she just got this role because she's dating the director or to overshadow the show in general with Mm -hmm. their, you know, renewed relationship. Um, They are getting better at just existing (laughs) and being people and understanding like how to react and interact. Well, and they're just more cognizant of the things that they need in in regards to their own mental health and everything because they do they they make many references in it to the fact that she's in therapy and that harriet's in therapy and i like that it brings that to light because it does somewhat take away some stigma of of having mental health issues Mm -hmm. and it's you know go go to therapy i've done it like it's sometimes you need it take care of yourselves Mm mm-hmm I, this is so random though, but I loved the moment after she auditioned. So the producers, um, we, we come to learn are the ones who made her actually audition for the show instead of just giving her the part right away in Riveted. But after she auditions and she's pretty sure she's fucked it up. She goes to get a gummy, gets Chinese takeout and ice cream to cope. And I was, and I just was like, that feels very close to home. <laughs> I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Depending on what state you live in. Yeah. Well, she was in New York. Yeah, so she's she can in New York. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I also love that um, it, it really does a good job of showcasing that when you fuck up with somebody, the healing process is so complicated. Not just because, right. like, oh, we don't, we're not on good terms, but also he's trying to do right. He's trying to do right by her. He's trying to make sure that everything goes her way. And she views every step that he takes in that direction as a sabotage, right? As a personal slight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because how do you trust that person? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that they do have to deal with is they have to have that actual apology, even though it lasts for like a second. But they both need to apologize to you, to each other for how things ended when they were in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we do get that apology in the book. Yeah. I don't yeah, think absolutely. I could I could justify them getting back together without it. Uh, it's so Agreed. pivotal. And the thing, though, that I think Cal had to learn that it doesn't really come up in the book, but like he never just like talks to her until that point. Mm-hmm. Like everything up until then, all the things that she views as this slight um, that he is doing, like having her sing memory at the audition. Just having her be like, oh, and now sing this song for me, which you, you 
you don't do. No, that that is not a thing that happens in theater auditions. Um, <laughs> I didn't even audition for them. I did tech, and I know that doesn't happen at auditions. <laughs> I mean, maybe it does happen in some shows. I don't know. I've never been to Broadway, but you know that all of those things that he did, and even leading her on to think that Rachel was actually dating him, like she called him out and said, "What the fuck is this bitch doing?" And he just never corrected her. And finally, finally at the end during that apology, he learned to just talk to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, Rachel's kind of stalking him. She right. gets like feely with him at every like party or whatever that they that the producers throw or whatever. She, like he's constantly hiding from her. I so here's the thing though. Like I know people who who do who have to do things like that. It's like hide from other people at yes. parties and shit. Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are inappropriate in the in the theater industry and entertainment industry in general. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Pretty gross. It is, yeah. Just because we're of touchy feely people does not mean it gets to happen to everybody and anybody. Mm-hmm. Or all the time. Well, and there if you're not if you've never been in the entertainment industry, if you've never been in theater, one of the things that maybe will help you understand this book a little bit better is that there is a perceived culture of acceptance where things that are not appropriate in any other job are conce- are deemed appropriate um, in theater, regardless of what whether you're on the, the technical producing side of it or if you're on the performance side of it. It doesn't matter. And so a lot of things that happen are wildly inappropriate. For instance, would you be grabbing your boss's butt on a at a normal job at a nine to five? No, you would not. Absolutely not. Um, but that's just something that's seen as like, oh, they're good friends, so it's okay. And to an extent, it is. It's this weird, undefinable weird line, totally. and because of that, some of the worst abuses happen in this industry. Because yes. where do you draw the line from? I'm being friendly and in theater, we're just more touchy feely and that's the acceptable culture to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm being inappropriate. I'm, we're, I'm crossing a line. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah, struggle with it. They do. And also with the fact that when you do theater together, you, you spend an ass ton of time together. Yes. It is constant. And so you, a lot of times you don't have time for anybody else. So the, that's, those are your friends now. Even if you, you, if that had not been in your intention, those are your friends now because you're just with them all the time. Do I have some of my best friends in the entire world because of it? Absolutely. Do you also well, is find it, yourself working with people that you cannot stand, but just put a smile on anyway? Yes. Also yep. that. Sure have done that. Well, you see that with Cal and the band too, right? Like they're- right. He he only really gets along with three of them, and it's like, well, you, it doesn't matter if you don't like them. You're gonna go up there and you're gonna all dance and sing together. <laughs> well, and it's not even just Cal. Like the entire band kind of just like goes off and never talks to each other again after they break up. Yeah. Like I think that's true. I think for, like Mason a lot and- of boy bands, though, isn't it? Like real life boy bands that they were put together by force, not by choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that seems to stick together is the is Mason and I think it's LC because they're in a relationship with each other. But yeah, yeah. And I think Cal talks to them occasionally, but not not even really like friends. Right. You know, like. And Ryan just gets douchier as he gets older. So there's that's that. True. Yeah. 
and none of them like him. That's yeah. they all think he's well because he thinks he's better than everybody else in that band. He thinks he seems to think that he's better than everybody. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he shows up after the opening night, the Broadway opening night of Riveted, and it, like is trying to get this forced photo op with Kathleen to like. I don't know, have this like, oh, they've forgiven each other and they're friends now and get like back in the media and use it to get um, more attention and, and I think get a movie deal signed. Mm-hmm. Ugh, he just makes my skin yeah. oh, crawl. Oh, God, he makes my skin crawl so much. And she like goes to have a drink with him because she's trying to like, you know, move on and everything. And so I think she's kind of looking for like some sort of closure, but right. she's also not dumb enough to let that um to put her guard down at all when it comes to him because he's a dick he's a total dick and that proposal was total manipulation he knew shit was happening oh no for sure a fucking man pulls that shit on me i'm smacking him across the face i don't care if i love him across the face like i used to romanticize that no but like like i was like everybody else where i was like oh the 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 mob like proposal things i was like they're so cute and then now i look at them and i'm like i would lose my shit are you fucking kidding me and i understand that harriet and cal were so pissed at katie for saying yes but he proposed to her on stage at the closing night of their tour in a sold out like concert venue Venue. or state or stadium yeah and so it's like you have to say yes what the fuck is she gonna do I what are you totally gonna do? support her saying yes in that moment because what the fuck else are you supposed to do? And then Cal comes in and of course they're in their 20s and so they're like emotionally stupid. <laughs> yeah. But we all were. <laughs> but he's all pissed at her about it. And it's like, bro, what, what? was she supposed to do? Mm-hmm. She can't do anything other than say yes. I mean, I guess she could have said no and killed your whole fucking show that night. Well, and yeah. probably her career. Yeah. Like, well, Which, I, mean, I don't think that would have killed anyway, her career but... in the same way what Ryan did, did because I think what would happen instead is that would have been the scandal of the century. It would have been like, right. <gasps> oh my God. But that, there's precedent for this happening once again in real life, because guess what Johnny Cash did to June? Motherfucker. Hmm. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Public, don't, don't do a big public thing. It's, don't do that to it, It's so pressury to say yes, and then you don't know and tell a little bit later whether or not they actually mean it. Because I would have said, I would have done the same fucking thing she did. Yeah. Is said yes in that moment and then been like, dude, I, no. Unless you've talked about it, right? If you guys have already talked about getting married and you both are like on the same page about it and maybe even talked about like how fun that would be. Yes. Like in those situations, okay. But But that's, you've been having multiple discussions about that such. You've talked about it. You know you're going to get married at some point. You know the question's going to be asked at some point. But you're not really, like, you haven't cemented it down because that would take all the fun out of it, right? That's different than going, hey, we haven't talked about this seriously even one time. Let me do this in front of millions of fans. Like, by the way, I put my, like, I really had myself in her shoes in that moment. And I wished i could have been swallowed by the floor i wish i could have like just jumped in that book and smacked him yes yeah. smacked him upside the head i oh, don't know how harriet didn't do book. it i would have been fists up man 
on the note of that, can we talk about Harriet? Because the only, you know, we've talked about the fact that, like, she's pretty distant in mm-hmm. the book. But I kind of want to talk about her story arc. So her whole thing is she's kind of doing her own thing while Katie or Kathleen is being Katie Rose. And then, you know, they have this discussion that they're going, that Katie is going to create an album of all of Harriet's songs. Mm -hmm. And that falls through when the whole like scandal happens. And then there's just like this resentment throughout the rest of the book Mm -hmm. that lingers between the two of them. Yeah. And eventually erupts Mm -hmm. when Harriet is, you know, upset about that. And then also upset that like, she's not getting any sort of like recognition for writing the musical. Mm-hmm. And well, she's very upset too that that Katie is with Cal. That's a valid upset. I mean, I completely understand the upset, but she does tell call one of uh, basically tell one of her longest standing friends that she can't keep it in her pants. Which I'm like, okay, I understand the upset. It's totally valid and everything, but like two boyfriends in a situation does not a slut make. <laughs> You say, like here's the thing though you say shitty things when you when you you're do. mad yeah right? you do. and it doesn't you matter do. how much you care about that person the point is to make it hurt right and oh yeah no and she hit it where it hurt right where there's a vulnerability Ooh. that's where you go for and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how true it is or not it's about whether or not that person is insecure about it yeah i've done that to people i don't like that i've done that to people we but i've done have. it we all have. By the way, listening to them on audiobook, oh, that fight on audiobook made me a little it uncomfortable. Made me, it made me itchy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the interesting thing about that is you can kind of compare Harriet to Rachel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Only Rachel's resentment is just like out there for the world to see, mm-hmm. whereas Harriet's is just kind of like shoved down, and even to the point that she doesn't recognize it. Yeah, she doesn't. I don't think she realized that she was resentful about yeah. it until it came pouring out of her mouth, and she couldn't catch it before it hit Kathleen. Well, you know, sometimes you do need to say it. You just need to get it off your chest. Ideally, in a healthy way. Yeah. Not in a just not in a skewed anger way. way. Yeah. Sometimes you can't, I mean, though. Have you ever, like, had no, some of yeah. those conversations where you're like, there isn't a polite way to say this. I need you yeah, to know well, where I fe- where I am, where I stand, how I feel. There isn't a nice way for me to tell you that I got fucked when you, like, decided to fuck two guys in the band. Yeah. Like, yeah. there isn't a nice way to say that. Um, no, there's not. Well, even if you, there is a nice way to say it, sometimes that doesn't make you feel better. Yeah. You need to say it the hard way. Yeah. Well, and there's also the argument that true friendship sometimes means telling hard truths. Oh, that's for sure. That's that's your true friends. Now, you gotta be careful, right? There are some people who will masquerade as your true friends telling you hard truths. And no. they're ass wipes. Yeah, they're just being dicks. But there are some times where you have to be like, okay, here's the thing. I love you, but this, you know, and... I've definitely done that to some of my besties and stuff just because be- I, I, they needed to know. Mm-hmm. Well, and along with the the emotion of like, I just need to say this, even though it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. There's the opposite of that in Kathleen, where she there literally it says in the book, she does not want to let go of her anger of Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt that that's the one I felt is the. I don't want to get over this yet because that kind of like means it's done and mm-hmm. I'm not ready to stop being angry. Yeah. And I've, I've, yep, there, that one. 
So, well, see, I, the thing that I think a lot of um, therapists speak ignores is that sometimes feeling the bad emotions feels better than feeling the good emotions. Yeah. It, there's yeah. almost an addiction yeah. to it of like, if I sit and I dwell in this anger, it will ferment and will make me a fine wine of rage. You know, like <laughs> it's. Mm, I like my wine rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and letting it go is so much harder than just, mm-hmm. and like letting yourself be at peace, which would be a better situation for you. That's so much mm-hmm. harder than just saying, listen, um, I, I want to just be angry. Right. Mm hmm. Well, and you can definitely see that because that anger continues to cause her problems over and over again in the show. Mm-hmm. Like she blames Cal for shit um, and she's not ready to kind of like let go of that. But then she slowly starts to, and I love the way that it's written in this book that she, it doesn't just happen like a switch mm-hmm. and, and her letting go of honestly, all of the aspects that she needs to let go of, like letting go of her like resentment for not being Katie Rose anymore um, and her fear of the media just kind of slowly goes away. Mm-hmm. Like the karaoke scene. Yeah. Oh my God. I love the karaoke scene. Mm-hmm. She like busts out one of her, one of Katie Rose's songs, yeah. but sings it how she as Kathleen, Kathleen would actually want to mm-hmm. sing it if she had been allowed to back then. And it's so much better. And it's like, oh, that makes me so happy. And for one of the songs, she pulls Cal up on stage and actually has them both do one of the Crush Zone songs. Mm-hmm. And that just felt very cathartic to me of her just being like, you know what? It's time to stop holding on to something that's mm-hmm. hurting me. And let's use that to push this, like push the sales of the show. Let's use it for something good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was like little chunks of her got chipped that sounds this sounds like it's a bad way but in a good way little chunks of her got like chipped away and it's little chunks of the resentment and the anger throughout the years and stuff gets chipped away as she's in the process of doing this show and everything and getting to know cal for who he actually was now she knew him well back then Mm -hmm. but But everybody changes over those years and stuff and the same thing with harriet like she kind of need like Harriet's her best friend, but I also feel like they kind of needed to relearn each other a little bit. Oh, for sure. For you know? Sure. Well, and if you're not relearning your friendships, uh, especially if they're long term, then mm-hmm. you're just living in a bubble where you are s- still the people you were before. And then that's mm-hmm. just a facade, right? That that means that it's yeah. just a costume that you put on where you pretend to be 25 again. And it's like, that's that's not healthy either. Sometimes people have to grow and change. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And ain't nobody want to be 25 again. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> no. I. This is a tangent, um, but I got to say this, at least for us three. I read an article once when I was in my early 20s that statistically, based on the surveys they did and whatever, the worst years of your life are right around 24. Mm-hmm. Dude. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Personal tag. Now, obviously, every single person has a bunch of factors there. Yeah, but like has their own life experiences yeah, and everything. But but statistically, it's right around 24 is going to be like probably the worst years of your life. Yeah, I could see that. I, I'm i not going to lie. Like I was – when my 20s were happening, 
there was a lot of like, this is going to be the best, these are the best times of my life, blah, blah, blah. And I, I truly believe that with my whole chest and both titties. Um, I was wrong. I was very much wrong. Oh yeah, 30s is way better than oh, 20s. 30s is so much better. Oh my god, 30s is great. Now, did I meet some of my greatest friends at that time period? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hi, bitches. I love you. And then you just like put your hooks in them and you don't let them go. Yes, I, yes, <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Actually, what more realistically for our group of friends, what happened is a bunch of extroverts said, hi, Danny, you're ours now, and th- uh, th- adopted me. That's how we all got here. Let's be real. That's true. No one in this group yeah, of three. Yeah, this is the introvert podcast. <laughs> yes, this is the introvert podcast. I'm going to call back, a, we're a group of three, you see. Um... And as as a group of three. Oh god, that's a that's a call that <laughs> <laughs> literally by the time this comes out, that'd be like twenty episodes ago. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, no one's yeah. gonna get the joke. But we're we're all very introverted and so we had to have extroverts be like, Get out your house. Get out it now. We're having a party and we're like, Oh, that sounds oh. like a lot of work. <laughs> it sounds like so much peopling. But my couch, and I already have wine here. Ooh. I have to take the wine that's here to where you are. And the cat's at home. Like, he's so snuggly. I could just put Lord of the Rings on and get wine drunk in my house. One one of the shows that I'm in love with, it's now ended, but uh, is the the show Ted Lasso, right? And one of the main things in that show is he keeps telling people, be a goldfish. And the point of that is to say, well, see, you can't stay angry if you have a three second memory. So, and so what I, the things I liked about this is that is really great for those little moment things. But when you're dealing with two people who have harmed each other, what you're going to run into is that, you can't be a goldfish if the other person isn't going to be a goldfish. If someone right, else is holding indeed. on to resentment, that that leaks into you. And so you we have two options then. You either cut that person off, which, you know, with Harriet, that wasn't what she mm-hmm. wanted, right? No. Or you have to, like, deal with their resentment leaking into you. I think for a long time, Kathleen and Harriet had a very unhealthy friendship and called it best friends. And it was really just codependent um, resentment. Yeah, I can see that. And it just became worse as as the Broadway show started because Harriet was really stressed and so was Kathleen. And so they kind of take it out on each other. Also, Harriet is being so distant because she, she, I think on some level, feels what's going on between Kathleen and Cal. I'm sure she did because she called it. Yeah. Like, she called the candy situation when he gave her... The, mm-hmm. her favorite candy Swedish fish and that's when she said look no and then the moment she saw them they were just standing well they weren't just standing in the dressing room but when she opened the door they were just standing in the dressing room which would be totally fine for the director and one of the stars to do that because yeah. you're talking about the show and immediately Harry it's like oh fuck no yeah absolutely but here's and the thing so- she's not invalid they're no the- she's not oh Absolutely not. They're, even if things are happy, go lucky between them, and they're like, we're totally in love now, that becomes the story, right? She's mm-hmm. not wrong. Um, it doesn't become the story of Riveted. It becomes the story of Kathleen and Cal back together, causing more drama. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, to Harriet's point, 
she's literally just saying like let's get through the opening of the show you know it's it's not you can never date him it's like for the sake of the show don't do this right now yeah can we have the focus of the show be the fucking show well and she knows her friend well enough to know that she will fuck this up and she does now does she do it in reaction to harriet yes but like if she stood her ground and said listen i'm in love with him i don't Mm -hmm. want to break up with him like harriet would have heard her out but she's a coward a little bit in this story not a little bit like definitely a lot of it yeah um because when they start getting together harriet had already told them already told her no and then cal is like well we're together let's just say it we'll deal with the aftermath but at the very least let's just like own it and she's like no we can't Mm -hmm. and so she's trying to live in this whole like let's make cal happy and be with him but let's also make harriet happy and not be with him right it's like no, that's going to blow up in your face. Say, you can't you can't make both of them happy. Now, you could have the adult conversation with Cal and be like, "Look, Harriet has a point. They mm-hmm. we don't want to to draw away from the show. And yeah, let's wait to show this publicly until maybe a couple weeks after the opening of the show." But she didn't have the logical conversation, the adult conversation. She's fucked everything up. Well, she also like, even in her interaction with Cal, he he makes it really clear he's all in. And she's still like, yeah. oh, I don't think I can do that. She bails out twice on him when he says, I love you first. And she's like, I'm going to pretend to sleep. Like, yeah. Girl. <laughs> he's not blind. Right. Like, and that's not to say that if somebody says, I love you first, that you are then required to say it back. But oh, like, absolutely you can't not. ignore it. Yeah. You can't pretend you didn't you gotta, hear it. Like, you gotta acknowledge it. You gotta acknowledge it and be like, okay, thank you. I'm not quite there yet. But I appreciate but you I saying appreciate it. But I appreciate you saying it. Exactly. Like, does it feel awkward? Yes. But, like, you can't just be like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Check you later, Gator. Yeah. <sighs> well, and it goes back to what I said before. She's a runner. She's a track star. You know? <laughs> She's a flight risk. <laughs> Can we talk about the sex? Okay, yes, let's talk, let's about, talk about that Thank sex. Thank you. Um, and and the, you know, kisses that are associated with it. Uh, just because we are at the the discussion of the I love you and all of that happened during that moment. What did you guys think of it? I really liked the second chance or the third chance, if you want to go with that. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, well, how many times do we read in romance books? It's all about the the male being more dominant. And don't get me wrong, I do like that. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to read in a book where he's like, no, you you direct me. I was like, oh boy. Yeah, I know. When right? he said it, I was like, oh, sir. Uh, well, and she even right. says like in her head, she's like, wow, that was really fucking hot. And we're like, yes, it really was. Yes, it, yes, it was. <laughs> Oh my god. And the last line when they were like about ready to to be done and she's like, I will ruin you. And he's like, yes. Yes. Do it. (laughs) Alrighty then. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was like cleaning and listening to the audiobook and had to be like, I just like sat down for a couple minutes. Like, just need to have a little sit down while we listen to that. Just gonna listen to this quietly for a minute. (laughs) Well, I also liked that 
they, when they realized they didn't have a condom, he was like, I can improvise. Don't worry. <laughs> like, like, I got this. That was pretty funny. Before they got to her apartment, you know? Yeah. And by improvise, uh, she means, you know, going downstairs, going down on her. Um, not, you know, grabbing the sandwich baggie or something. Yeah, don't, don't improvise oh, God, birth control, no. kids. That's not, Never do that's that. not a thing that we do. That's not okay. Stop. And the pull-out method the does not work. I, I did also like that scene too, because it felt very adult of like, hold up, before we go any further, condoms? No. Okay, then we will have to go to somebody's apartment. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, and I, the other thing that I think is interesting about this is both of them must have planned on getting laid then because they're in Rhode Island at this point. They are not at their own apartments. So they brought condoms along. That's just being safe, Wigs. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But both of them saw this coming clearly. Subconsciously, they were like, I better make sure I got my condoms. I also like the angry kiss that happened before they go to Rhode Island when he like stops by her apartment because she gets drunk and she's like, I'm going to quit this show because this Rachel bitch is a bitch. Yeah, she was pissed off. But she was, was she drunk and high? She was I, drunk and high. Yes. Probably. Well, when that was happening, she was hungover. That means she was drunk Well, the yesterday. kiss was, but she, <laughs> yeah, she called him in the middle of the night and said, I'm going to quit. And so he goes over there and is like, you can't quit. You signed a contract. And also, stop being dumb. Mm-hmm. I just love when he's on the phone with her. He goes, are you high or are you drunk? That's beside the point. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they angry kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. an angry kiss. Yes, it's the he's... best part of, of enemies to lovers things when they that... do that first, like, oh, I'm, I'm so mad at you. you I need kiss. to make yeah. out with you right now. Just, yeah. just go fuck yourself, kiss. I love that. Yes. I love a good hate kiss. <laughs> Almost as much as I love a good hate fuck. Ugh. Almost like a good hate kiss more because, like, it's the first time. Oh, yeah. The, the, when you break the seal, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things we haven't talked about that is honestly one of my favorite parts of this book is how many references she makes to other movies and and musicals and things like that and some of them aren't even like overt some of them are very overt where it's like this movie like strictly ballroom it's like we're watching strictly ballroom okay great 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 but one of my favorites was she has this line let me see if i can quick grab it here i think i had i particularly left this tab out long so i could find it again it was the perfect spring day Fragrant and bright and sunny and wonderful. The kind of day where every breeze seemed to say, sound like Tom Hanks murmuring, don't cry, shop girl. Which is, you know, you've got mail. And I was like, ah! Because <laughs> that is rom-com classic. Let's, I will fight you. But in general, the references were just so good. We haven't seen it. You've never seen You've Got Mail? No. no. Oh, it's going on the list. Son of a bitch. Why didn't you tell me you were ignorant? Jesus. Okay, we're fixing it. We're fixing it. It's fine. So I... you didn't get that reference at all, did you? No. 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 no oh, my God. And honestly, there's probably a lot of references I didn't get, even if I have, like, seen it before, because um, my brain doesn't hold on to things like that. But Same. there were a lot of references I did get, mostly the ones that she just called out. But I liked them a lot. Um, it made me feel like I was in the know. Mm-hmm. Mm. I did... 
Their obsession with the show Cats. Ugh, I hate Cats. I hate the show Cats. I, it's a terrible show. I love how she's like, well, theater people get... No. As a theater person, no. I don't get it. I have never met a theater person that likes Cats. No, me neither. Uh-uh. Well, that's We all hate it. The it only is all people spectacle like, in one decent song. Yeah. The only people who like cats are the people who dream of singing memory or dancing in Jellicoe cats. That's it. Those are the only people who like cats. I firmly believe this. Yeah. When they made the movie a couple years ago, my mom was like, Hey, let's go see the cat, the cats movie. And I'm like, I love you. No. Even without the creepy CGI, I wouldn't have seen that movie. Yeah. She Mm. was like, but you love musicals. And I was like, that thing's a dumpster fire. I don't want to go anywhere near that. (laughs) I, We'll say, though, you know, like anything we say, if you like it and we're shitting on it, that's fine. Like what you like, whatever. You do you, boo. I'm still going to like what I like. And I hope you like what you like. Don't don't take our criticisms as your thought process. That's not what we're wanting here. Everybody can like what they like. But I mean, my my feeling about cats is perfectly encapsulated by the office quote from Dwight where he's like, I went to the theater once and a cat sat in my lap. (laughs) 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 I do not do interactive theater. Mm, No, Mm -mm. I don't like it. Never have. I've never been to any sort of interactive theater, but I'm pretty sure I would not like I would dislike that greatly. No. Unless I could sit in the exact middle of the room, like middle of the row, so nobody could get to me. I guess we were at um, Avenue Q once, and we were in the front row or like one of the front rows, and the gal on stage like called us out or just like pointed to my my husband and like his outfit and stuff. So that was, I mean, that was fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's different. The people aren't touching you. Right. It's like. Rocky Horror, which I loved the reference. Mm-hmm. I want to go see Rocky Horror in uh, Paris. Oh, man, that'd be right. lovely. I just want to oh. go see a really good um, adaptation again where, the, where they do the full thing. Because I've only seen it once that way. And I was also, like, not really in a good place to be watching it at the time. Like, I was just, like, sure. I was having a bad day when I went. And I was like, fine, I'm going. Because it's Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> we do anything for Rocky Horror. It's true. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Janet. Damn it, Janet. While the humor in this was pretty good, I will say I was expecting a little bit more. Like, there were jokes about, like, Sondheim, and then there were other p- parts that were just, like, Statler and Waldorf things. Like, those references mm-hmm. things were funny, but I was expecting more general humor from it. Um, I don't know what you no, guys thought. this wasn't a... This wasn't a lighthearted book no, by any means. No, not at all. And I'm okay with that. It just wasn't what I expected. Right. It wasn't. I was expecting, yeah, something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun and jovial. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved the the exploration of finding the same love over and over again, of, like, growing as people and eventually growing to be able to be together, mm-hmm. overcoming their emotional trauma and hurdles of being pop stars like mm-hmm. a lot of good shit mm-hmm. it also speaks to a lot about uh, about uh, when you get into the the spotlight of things like that very early on in your life yeah because they were quite young and stuff and not you know not really knowing what to expect or how to handle things because they you know they get a little emotionally stunted to be honest well, no one was going to tell them no, except for the people who were controlling their lives for profit. 
right? She mm-hmm. even has a moment where, right. like, she says she goes down to the kitchen and, and has soup delivered to the rooms, even though they don't really do room service because she's famous and she'll sign some things and she'll give them money, right? Right. Yeah. And so it was that who was, was going to tell them thing, no One about of the boys was anything. Sick. Yeah, well, and she also talks about she doesn't have a good relationship with her parents. So yeah. they never supported her in any of this. So she was just fucking on her own with yep. the only adult supervision being her shitty manager, who is very clearly just trying to use her. Yes, her absolutely. I hate her manager. Well, She's yeah. I think it, the scene where um, Cal and and Kathleen are commiserating over their camp experience and the title of the book, The Once More With Feeling, comes up because their teacher at the camp would, like, smack her in the back of the legs and make them do it again and say, do it this time with feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really one of the most un- understated but important scenes in the, the storytelling because we get to see the establishment of Kathleen going, well, this is what I have to do to be famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take it. And I'll take it again, and I'll take it again, and I'll take it again, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And and we have that moment where Cal doesn't berate her when she doesn't get the dance steps perfect, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? How am I supposed to be motivated to get this done if you're not going to be abusive about it? Mm-hmm. Right. And that just speaks so much to the person Kathleen has been shaped into, and how somebody like Diane could abuse her. Absolutely. I think that's what I, one of my favorite things about this book, is the different timelines really show how she was built into Katie Rose and then how she has to unravel that like yeah, she kind ball. of has to be deconstructed from yeah. being Katie Rose right it also kind of shows that the changes in times yeah because things are changing and how people are supposed to interact are changing now is it changing as quickly as we might like no Probably not but there are changes being made and so I do kind of like, because it does show that that wouldn't really fly nowadays for the most part. The, you know, hitting a kid and saying again, like, uh, I know it happens, but I don't know. Hopefully less than there it did. Are, there are still places in this world where people will do anything know. for excellence. Right? The, the, if you need, need an example, you can look, obviously, at Brittany, but you can also look at um, the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team oh that is a terrible yeah. terrible heartbreaking story yeah right that really is. um and look at them throughout history right like it, it's it, yeah. it, mm-hmm. even the u.s has been doing incredibly well in, in this category of the olympics for a very long time but part of that is because they have this model that basically says we can do whatever we want to children mm-hmm. yeah the like the things oh the documentaries Oof, oof, oof. Oh, they're harsh. They're horrible. They're hard to watch. They are horrible. Like, um, I can't remember her name, and I feel stupid for not remembering this, but the the girl who got the Olympic team the gold by competing on a fucking broken leg, and they were like, she's a hero, and I'm like, she's a victim? What? Yeah. 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 Anyway. But, like, I just don't, th- like, I think it's really easy for us to get a little complacent on like oh I'm sure it's not that bad anymore but you still have all these stories coming out of abuses yeah. like um I don't I can't remember what the name of the podcast is I'll have to look it up but um K- Christy Carlson Romano you'll probably remember her from Even Stevens yes um, I love her she has a podcast 
that is literally talking about ch- with children, star- former child stars, um, mm-hmm. about their experiences. And uh, like, I've only seen clips, but the things that they've experienced are horrific. And I, mm-hmm. there's no reason to believe that those things aren't still going on today. I think that the rules have been broken by allowing child entertainment. And because they're already broken, people just break them even further. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's a dark note to land on. <laughs> um, you know what? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition us to something I do want to talk about that wasn't in the book. I was expecting more theater lingo. And, and and more theater conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, if I'm talking about a show, it doesn't really matter. Terms like upstage, downstage, center stage, they come up, right? Um, yeah, fly system, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that that was purposefully left out, though, so that didn't alienate any readers. I could see that, yeah. But at the same time, she's making references that you have to have watched a movie from the 90s to understand. So... I, I suppose, but like... Yeah. Even the occasional one, like to call to call places and say thank you five or whatever, right? Yeah, just something like that. But also, like it's never really it's there's a little bit of like if you don't know theater, probably don't catch why it's weird. But there's a few moments where it's like it doesn't quite make sense. Like why is Kathleen off stage watching her understudy perform? Cal is convinced it's her up there. Yeah, why didn't the director know that she was that the understudy was on stage and not Kathleen? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, if it was do if and they were doing an understudy rehearsal, it would be all the understudies on stage. Yeah, and it was like only her on stage too. So like, why why was she the only one on there? Yeah, like it's just like there's a little bit where I feel like maybe a little bit more research into how things go um, needed to happen in order to make the plot holeless. You know, like it, the plot mm-hmm. holes don't bother me that much because, like I said, if you don't if you're not familiar with theater they're not that big a deal you're like oh of course she's just like supporting her understudy no that's not how that works <laughs> i i guess i just assumed that that um conveyor belt because it doesn't live i, I assume it doesn't live on stage uh was um in the wings and her understudy was just practicing the dance on it no um and somebody accidentally tripped it on no they were on that stage. was how i interpreted it they were on stage um yeah i know it was on stage and here's the other thing you don't have a tech back there to turn that bitch off yeah like nobody turned it off right away that doesn't make sense i was a techie that thing would have gotten turned off e fuck immediately i think it did get turned off immediately no she had to turn it off off with the button that's on stage i must have just like read right through that i yeah. Anyway, yeah, there were, yeah, so, they had like an emergency stop button on the stage prop as well for them to stop it on stage, should they need to. And she was calling for somebody to turn it off, and then she turned it off. Yeah, uh, on stage. See, sometimes you read things, and your brain just rewrites it <laughs> to make sense. Like you're just reading it, and your brain is <laughs> like, more. "Nope, nope, no." <laughs> I've definitely like done that. that. This is how it's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there were a few. Uh, like that moment in particular stood out to me, but it's also things like the previews issue being totally solved with the internet buzz. Like, okay, yes, but also the other thing that would have solved that is having critics come to your previews, right? Like that's a weird solution, and it's weird that Cal didn't think about the critics factor um, helping with that. And so there's like a few things like that where it's just like out of order. It's like 
somebody who read the manual once and now thinks they understand how the product works, but it's like, until you get your hands on it and you use it, you're not going to know the idiosyncrasies of it. That's kind of how it felt. Whereas like, I'm sure you know quite a bit about theater, but until you've been in it, you're going to miss some of the things that just make sense because you do them. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, what? something I think that might be a fun thing for us to do at a totally different time is a ranking of boy band names that are fake, like fake boy band names. Uh, that sounds like a fun TikTok. Right? Because yeah. this this is not the best one. <laughs> no, every time I read Crush Zone, I was Crush like, Zone. God, that's bad. Yeah, it's that's so, so bad. bad. And I'm sure it was bad on purpose, but like, I'm just like, ugh, why? Yeah. Oof, duh. Uh, it was it was just believable enough where I was like, yeah, I could see someone making yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, if ninety eight degrees can make it, <laughs> shut up. I liked ninety eight degrees. You gotta admit that name's dumb. But all right, folks, that brings us to the end of once more with feeling. So let's go ahead and talk about our ratings. Um, what do you guys think of the spice? Um. It had a it bit, wasn't. but it was a lot pushed to the end. So I yeah. think a two is where I'm at. Yeah, I was going two or 2.5. I was also, I, I'm thinking 2.5 is where I land. Yeah. Yeah. I could be convinced to a 2.5 because it was good when it was there. Yes, right. it was well written, just not plentiful. Mm-hmm. 2.5 <laughs> it is. What about the romance then? I actually really liked the romance. I could, I, the 3.5 I think I'm going Ooh, that's a high rating for you, Danny. I know. <laughs> I'm also going to go with a 3.5. Okay, I'm not just copying you, but I literally am also <laughs> going to go with a 3.5. I, I was like, it's definitely more than a 3, but is it a 4? And I couldn't yeah. convince myself it was a 4. I can't convince no. myself to go all the way to the 4, yeah. but I, I do like their relationship. Yeah. And so that's why I'm going for the 3.5. I think we'd need to see... Um, a few months after she finally says I love you, see how they're doing then in order for me to be convinced of the four. Yeah. Yeah. Same. If there was a, a solid epilogue mm-hmm. that told me like, oh, that was cute. Okay. Maybe mm-hmm. a four. Mm-hmm. And not that she ran away rating? again. <laughs> oh yeah. Not that she ran away again. <laughs> what about your overall rating? I went with a four. I really liked this book. I also went with a four. God, we are in consensus mode. Four. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked this book, and I don't think it's because of the theater references. No, I, I loved so them, but I think I would have liked this book um, if I wasn't a theater person and I didn't yeah. understand or I didn't have as much nostalgia connected to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it does have a lot of nostalgia connected oh, to yeah. it. But it- when she was auditioning, I was just like, "Oh no, stop! It hurts my brain. <laughs> I feel things." Wow, so that's good. We we agree. How nice. <laughs> how rare recommendation i know how rare what about your recommendations i don't know any books that are like this one so what about shows or movies i was gonna go with glee <laughs> no i mean that's fair yeah glee it's it's very theatery um i have two so i would recommend book lovers by emily henry and the reason is it's also got a rivals to lovers um kind of semi-forced proximity situation. But instead of theater, it's a um, literary agent or a book agent and uh, a editor. 
and the the main female character has to come to a lot of emotional growth um throughout the book and then for show i would say smash mm. which i haven't seen in a long time but it gives me a lot of smash vibes though that one was not like a like a happy situation there's a lot of drama and a lot of shit happening the movie i want to recommend is music and lyrics oh yeah okay. yeah it's super fun i love love it um even to this day, it's got Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant, and they have to come together to write a hit song for a pop star. And so it's uh, a lot of the industry kind of stuff. It's it's a really good just like hour, you know, 45 or however long that movie is of just fun. It the, Like the drama is really not the drama and, and it's fun. So, yeah. All right, folks, let's wrap her up here. So if you like this episode, please find us out on the socials at Wrong Dust Jackets on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, or Wrong Dust uh, Wrong Jackets on Twitter. Uh, or you can find our website at wrongdustjackets.com. We'd love it if you left us a review, um, five stars if you're feeling super generous. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye now. Bye.